This is the way. This is the way to do it, folks. How to improve the book of Boba Fett? <laughs> By not having Boba Fett, and it seems to be the answer. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest Empire Podcast spoiler special dedicated to the book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian. Mando is back, and hey... You know that that feeling you have when you're reading a book and it's not quite doing it for you and you toss the book to one side and you pick up another much better book and you start reading that instead? That's kind of what happened in this week's episode <laughs> of, of The Book of Boba Fett. And joining me to discuss it are four Mando stands, standos. Who, are, who have we got? We've got Helen O'Hara is here. Hello. James Dyer is here. Hello. Ben Travis is here. Hello. And Amon Warman is here as well. A man who very, very nearly has all the letters of Mando in his name. (laughs) It's true. What's your middle name? Keith. Well, that's no help. There's no help at all. Maybe Dindarin's middle name is Keith. (laughs) (laughs) You were so close. You were so close to being an anagram or a, a, a Mandogram. If if you will, and that's not uh, a strippergram who dresses up as Mando, because although you wouldn't want you wouldn't want that because they wouldn't be able to um, remove their helmet. Anyway, hello, welcome <laughs> to this episode. So this is a this is a a fun ep, guys. Uh, I very much enjoyed this mm. episode of season three of The Mandalorian. What did you, what did you guys? <laughs> well, see, this is <laughs> kind of the point, isn't it? That like, this is the worst episode of The Book of Boba Fett because it demonstrates exactly why we never ever wanted or needed The Book of Boba Fett because we already had this interesting and developed cool as fuck Mandalorian character who took everything that Boba Fett was, i.e. someone who looks a bit cool, made it a thousand times better. He was already Boba Fett 2.0. No one needs the old shit one on the old shit planet doing any old shit like we this is what we wanted this is what we needed and this is what we should have had all along and frankly when we return to boba fett i'm going to be furious because there was a character here that we actually cared about and liked and that they developed in sometimes very small little scenes and sometimes longer ones but who they actually spent time on as a character uh telling us what he wanted and telling us how he was going to get that thing I, I don't feel like that's too much to ask. It sh- this shows that they can do it. Mm. Once again, this has made me more furious with the stuff that they haven't done. <laughs> Why can't they do this with Boba Fett? They had that thing this time, that thing that we didn't know we needed, but we needed the, the, the story thing. That's it, the story thing where there's a story. <laughs> where things happen and people move and change as a result of those things happening. <laughs> yeah, they you know? did a bunch of shit in this episode. This more genuinely, it sounds like I'm being <laughs> yes, facetious, but more true. happened in this yeah. one episode than has happened in four yeah. episodes of Boba Fett-centric stuff he yeah. he we caught him with dinger in he sliced some people up he lost the dark saber he got a ship he made some friends he got a cool little bundle that he's gonna go and take to baby yoda like so much stuff it's chain mail it's a chain mail they were making chains but so much stuff happened and it just hit home so much that like genuinely my biggest problem with the book of Boba Fett so far is that, is that just nothing has happened. Nothing's happened. And and this felt so full of incident and memorable bits and pieces uh, and, and bits of story and really pushed. It felt like Mando season 2.5 because it pushed him mm-hmm. quite a long way from where he, we left him yeah. at the end of the last season and kind of gave us a real sense of, of 
catching up with him at a different point in his journey going forward. Yeah, I think I feel like this is uh, going to annoy people because it's going to be essential viewing for people who want to watch Mando season three. And now they've got to without, watch this fucking series. Yeah, mm. without necessarily watching the rest of, um, well, certainly the, the, the rest of Boba Fett so far, whether they need to watch the rest from this point on, I don't know yet. Yeah, I I agree with all of that. I was very surprised that they had as much focus on the Mandalorian as they did in this episode. Like it opened with that awesome, awesome fight, which I anytime he says that, you know, I can bring in warm, I can bring in cold line. It just, it's, it's, yeah, I was squealing. I sent uh, Helen a message at the time. I was like, this is great. He did. It um, is correct. But yeah, at multiple points, I thought, okay, so this is the point where Boba is going to meet up with Mando. It didn't happen. Okay, so this is the point where Boba is going to meet up with, and it didn't happen. And the fact that it's even, it's not even Boba who meets up with Mando at the end, it's Fennec in a show called The Book of Boba Fett is really strange to me. Right now, I care more about the Naboo Starfighter than I do about Boba Fett. (laughs) I'm more invested in the Naboo Starfighter than I am in Boba Fett. And they spent more time on it, rightfully, in this in this episode, you know. Which was cool, by the way. That was one of you know, one of the good things about the prequels is that the ships looked fucking cool. They looked very different from what we'd seen from Star Wars before, but they looked fucking cool. And the fact that they're bringing that back in and, and sort of retrieving one of those I thought was was great. I also love, and I'm going to talk about it in a bit, I won't, you know derail things immediately but the <laughs> orbital that was so freaking cool i'm so excited mm, about yes that. were you going with a halo or a ring world helen which were you ah well it's obviously not a ring world james because it's not big enough it's definitely what you call a halo what i being a um ian M. banks culture reader would call an orbital okay. um it's not big enough to have a star in the middle that's clearly a series of mirrors uh, which is why <laughs> day and night are coming so fast but I freaking adored it. Oh, Can amazing. I say? Proper sci-fi. Right here and right yeah. now that I would like to set up a change.org to shelve the rest of the Book of Boba Fett, scrap the whole thing, <laughs> and instead have Disney create a sort of an amusing rom-com spin-off, which is a Peli Motto's relationship with the Jawa, just like a kind of like a mismatched romantic comedy well, type thing. I'm, I'm way ahead of very you. very furry. I've- I've 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 written it. I have I have filmed it. It's in claymation. It is frankly obscene. I don't think anyone should ever watch it. It will make you tear your eyes out like the crew of the Event Horizon. Uh, it's probably best buried under. Yeah, just what you said. I dated a Jawa. I know what I'm doing. The images that went through my head were just upsetting. So. I, I just have so many questions about that. About how that happened. <laughs> Exactly how that interaction took place. Is there like a Tinder on Tatooine? Uh, and she was just, she was, yeah, she was swiping. I still can't remember. Is it right or left when you're swiping for good She's people? Right, I believe. Swipe right on a Jawa. Swipe, is that good or bad? Are you saying yes to a Jawa or I'm saying, saying no yes to a Jawa? the Jawas? You're saying yes to a Jawa and you get a Jawa. And what is the Jawa's profile picture in that case? Because it would literally just be a hood with two glowing eyes. And you go, yes, I'd like the look of that Jawa. And they're, but they're furry, which I didn't particularly no. realise. Yeah, that's, that's or, or new. to know. No, but new. also, like, why, why are they, again, we're in a desert? I yeah. just... I have questions. Why? Again, like the Bantha last week, why are they furry? They are desert yeah. creatures, are they not? What is this Jawa listing under their interests on Tinder? Likes, scavenging, stealing Slap. shit. 
Utini. <laughs> <laughs> Likes that big, horrible, furry egg from season one of Mando. <laughs> and I still have nightmares about that. When you're like, oh my god, why, why do they want the egg? They're all chanting the egg, the egg, and then they just slice it off and just ate the goop out of it. Yeah. That was wild. What is going on with this show? It's it's absolutely wild. But uh, but yeah, going back very, very quickly to the thing that Helen uh, and James could absolutely lose their geeky shit over, which was, I love that. Mm. I, I, you're call, James calling it a Halo. Helen is calling it an orbital. Orbital, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, it looked absolutely incredible, like nothing else we'd seen in the Star Wars. This show has got so much incredible production design and in this mm. one we were off Tatooine for a brief mm-hmm. brief moment and it felt incredible and just seeing the the the, the breadth and the variation of the invention on display even if it is paying homage to various sci-fi authors who've who have come before it still looked unlike anything we'd ever seen and it, it's so dense with detail the backgrounds and the supporting mm-hmm. characters this show's always had that right from the off as you're walking through the streets of Mos Eisley? Where are yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. Mos Eisley. Yeah. Is it Mos Eisley? Oh, this is Mos Eisley. We're, mo- we're mostly around Mos yeah. Espa, but today we're in Mos Eisley. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Walking around the streets of Mos Eisley and Mos Espa, and you're getting all that great background detail. The problem this show has had is in the stuff that's happening in the foreground. <laughs> and and yeah. that wasn't a problem this week because, as we've said, we're all so infested in Mando and it was so great to see Pedro Pascal and his his gang of interchangeable stunt doubles <laughs> once again. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, do we have an over-under on how much time Pedro Pascal actually spent on the set of the- I was thinking about this recently and I was wondering and like, no, you know, I, I do not want to cast aspersions on Pedro Pascal and I'm sure, you know, he might be horrified to hear me say this, but I do wonder whether this is just a voice acting gig for him and has been all along and they're just like, essentially, you know, we're I mean, just James, if, if the trade-off is that, you know, he he's starring in Last of Us and that is where he has to spend most of his time, then, then fine. You know, I, I, like, like, I have no problem with it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just thinking, like, from a Pedro Pascal point of view, he probably's like, guys, I don't need to be here. Just put me in for the two <laughs> scenes I take my helmet off and then I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and he flips through the script. He goes, "Do I take my helmet off in this episode?" No, I don't. All right, I, I'm yeah. just staying here by the pool, yeah. folks. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna literally phone this one in. <laughs> yeah, and then and then for publicity images, they they bring him down to the set and stick him in the yeah. armor, and they just take a shot of him with his with his helmet off. Look, he's there. He was there all along. Uh, we're not saying that. We're not saying that's the case at all. Uh, Pedro Pascal was on set every single day working his uh, little butt off, and well done, Pedro and his gang of interchangeable stunt doubles. Uh, but there is obviously a larger point here to be made about all the stuff in the foreground hasn't been great up until now. The fact that you're suddenly redeeming your show by switching to a completely different show, I'm mm. not so sure. <laughs> not, only that, not only that, but they're doing it with two episodes left now of Boba Fett. Well, they should be ramping up to a really big finale, and yeah. yet they've taken an entire episode off, essentially. Not to say that I didn't, I mean, I freaking love this episode, but... Yeah, when yeah. you consider that they have that amount of time remaining, it's a really weird choice. Totally agree. I had it, but I had a smile on my face all the way through oh, when I realized God, when, yes. we, when we started with Mando, <laughs> even Peli Motto, who's a character I haven't entirely loved all the time in Mando, uh, when she appeared, she's funny. They're swearing at each other. She's, you know, got those obscure Tatooinean turns of phrase. Once again, she's fucking Jawas. It's, it's all happening. <laughs> and I, I laughed out loud a couple of times. And sometimes I was just smiling in delight oh, at what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and But you're absolutely right about that sort of that lack of focus, which is interesting 
interesting because at the end of the episode, because we think that Mando is going to be recruited by Boba Fett and Fennec Shand to fight whoever the hell he's fighting for whatever the hell reason that he's fighting them for. And then he goes, all right, I'll join you. But first, I've got to go see my little baby Yoda. <laughs> yes. And so, is next week going to be another detour? I hope so. Yes. No. The book of Grogu is coming. No. I think what's going to happen, I don't think Mando's going to be in episode six at all. And then in the I final agree. episode where stuff is really about to go down, he'll make like a really cool entrance, save the day, and it'll be the best thing ever. I think that's what's going to happen. With Baby Yoda on his back. Oh, <laughs> I don't think we're that lucky. I don't <laughs> think we're that lucky. But I do think he's not in next week because they're not going to spend the money on, you know, VFX Luke uh, any more than they have to. And I'm not sure you get Baby Yoda on screen very much anymore without VFX Luke. So, Just call uh, Sebastian Stan already. Gosh. I mean, look, I've been writing letters, but they're not replying so far. So <laughs> what can I tell you? has been making fan fiction, in fact. Claymation is quite obscene. shouldn't be seen by anybody. Yeah, no, this was... It, it is frustrating in terms of, again, just basic storytelling, building towards some kind of climax and building suspense in your in your show. Like, because this is an entire episode full of really fascinating stuff that has absolutely nothing, <laughs> nothing. less than nothing, to do with Boba Fett. None of this has is going to have any effect on anything that goes forward in Boba Fett, except Mando himself obviously turning up. All of it is relevant to Mando season three, presumably. The, the focus of this show is just baffling, just completely baffling to me. Because we, ex- we expected last week, we expected last week this show to be about, this episode to be about Fennec Shand going out into the galaxy, mm-hmm. finding Mando and recruiting him in the classic Magnificent Seven, Seven Samurai, yeah. Magnificent Seven, styly. Battle Beyond the Stars, if you want to have a sci-fi uh, equivalent. <laughs> Battle Beyond the Star Wars. Even then, I didn't think that would be the whole episode. Mm. I thought no. she'd just turn up in a bar, he'd be there, they'd have a chat, and then they'd turn, you know, go back and chat with I Boba. love they don't have Precisely. phones or any way to get in touch with people <laughs> in this galaxy far, far away. I mean, it was a long time ago. This is true, yeah. yeah, yeah. Motorola hadn't been invented yet, so that's a strange name to drop, but there Motorola, we go. that was it weird. Was. First yeah. one that popped into my head, uh, Nokia. <laughs> yes. Nokia Motorola. The question that I had to ask was for Amon. Amon, who famously gets yes. very upset when heroes go full sociopath and start killing the shit out of people. See <laughs> Superman, see Batman. With now, one Mando at the beginning. Hero. One Mando particular at the beginning, hero, James. I mean, there's bringing in cold and there's bringing in cold. He stabs him in the chest. He then cuts the incapacitated man in half for no reason and then lops his head off and puts it in a bag. And I'm saying that is a man who's desperately in need of therapy. Oh yeah, no. It, it, I I felt some of the rage that he's clearly been you know holding on to ever since he gave up Grogu. I, I felt I felt like some of that came out in that moment. I, I was actually oh, a little shit, bit surprised yeah. when he took out the saber and cut the <laughs> yeah, dude in half. My gosh, I did not see that coming. Um, but yeah, now I I enjoyed it um, because it was Mando and not Batman doing the cutting. Although frankly, Batman will Batman be eight hundred percent better if you cut the Joker in half with a dark saber. No, I'm just saying. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I will never subscribe to this theory. <laughs> it did kind of feel like they were setting up the idea of is he going off the rails a bit without Grogu? Is he kind of going yeah. off the deep end? He's got the dark saber. Is he going a bit dark himself? Um, mm. But they kind of didn't really follow up on that. I, I think you got a sense of the loneliness that he's feeling, but I think that sense of of rage of maybe crossing the line in terms of the jobs that he's doing, I feel like they didn't really follow that through in the rest of the episode for me. I don't know if it's so much rage as um, massive discomfort 
with the dark saber. I don't think he. I mean, he certainly doesn't know how to use it no, well at this not. point. <laughs> he nearly um, cut his own leg and off. Which, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, I I didn't realize the first time I watched this that it was entirely self-inflicted, <laughs> um, and 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 it is. And I wonder if that's why he's playing up that wound way more than he has any other yeah, injury I in the that. entirety of his show. He was making much more of a big deal about that. But anyway, um, but I, I think there's a there's a level of discomfort. There's a level of stress that he's under as a result of having this thing that he absolutely doesn't want, uh, but also can't get rid of, as we saw in this episode. And I think that's maybe feeding into it. I also wondered if there was a little bit of a ring of power, kind of cursed object kind of thing to do with the rage in that first scene. I mean, obviously we are all experts in the animated series, having watched every single episode. Oh of no, course. wait, Amon actually has. So please tell me, yeah. what's the what thing about this, this thing that has no weight having weight? Like, why does it get heavier every time he swings it? What's going on there? That one is new. Is a new one to me. Uh, I actually don't have the answer to that question because, yeah, in all, the, in all the dark saber fights, <laughs> <laughs> in all the dark saber fights that I've seen, that's never been one of the attributes of it. Like, there's a scene, there's a bit in, I believe, it's Rebels, um, where one of the characters who uh, has the star saber is, is has the star, has the dark saber is learning how to fight with it, but it getting heavier as she uses it is is not a feature of it. So I don't know that. I think that's a new thing to uh, the Book of Boba. In regards to the um, self-inflicted injury, we don't get to see it, but I really do hope at some point um, Mando gets a new pair of jeans. You cannot be roaming <laughs> the galaxy with a big old cut in your jeans. It, it doesn't look cool. you gotta, you got to fix that. So I, ho- I hope that that happened at some point off screen in this episode. That's all I'll say. Hmm. I did wonder, I mean, I feel like there's quite a lot of material in the spear, and if they were going to melt it down, they could maybe have done better than just some baby male. They could also maybe make some male shorts. I assume <laughs> they made a little Beskar sphere to replace the knob from the oh. Razor Crest, and he'll give it to oh. Grogu, and here it is, and it's made of Beskar steel! Chew on that, oh. you little fucker. That. Chew on it, but don't swallow that. it. That's dangerous. I know that you know, we want to give a present to Grogu, and that's, you know, well and good, and all the rest of it, but... Beskar steel, a Beskar spear is very, very useful. It's a thing that can block a lightsaber. And I w- this is not the way, though, Amon. But it's this not, is the not the way. He's got a it's dark saber. What the fuck does he need a spear for? <laughs> you, you, you never know what might happen. He's not Fatima Whitbread. Like, he's fine. <laughs> I have a question about the uh, the weapons and so on. So, you know, we have the, the cute, funny scene of, oh, before he gets on a plane, he has to give up all his weapons. And because he's Mando, that takes quite a long time. We've seen this done before. It's always funny frankly. It's always funny to have people you know, pulling knives out of every corner of their p- person. Um, but I thought there was going to be a point to that. I thought there was going to be like <laughs> yeah. a little bit of, oh, will he get it all back? Oh, will something be missing? Oh, will it have been searched and it's clear that somebody's been interfering in some way? No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So unless that's setting up something for the future, I thought that was a really weird thing to have in there. I quite like the idea of Mando just travelling commercial <laughs> and just flying like the rest of us and having to log on to whatever the Star Wars equivalent of EasyJet dot com or ryanair.com is and, and and flying just like the rest of us plebs. Uh, that was nice. And I showed obviously how much his life had changed. But you're right. I thought he was going to open the case when he got to Tatooine and the Darksaber was going to be gone. And he was like, oh no, my Darksaber. Then he'd have to fill in a form of complaint and then wait for them to find his bag and all this sort of stuff. I, I did think it was going to go somewhere. It may still go somewhere. It may still. Yeah. And and there was that lovely moment and which is kind of repeated later with the little Rodian boy um, sort of, you know, and he, mm. the fact that he's kind of quicker now to bond with 
characters, or maybe not Bond, but like be kind to, be talk to, you know, small children and small robots. I felt like there was a little bit of when BD wasn't, you know, pointing in the right direction, wasn't giving him what he needed to give. I felt like there was an echo of Baby Yoda in that. There was an yeah. echo of of the kind of, you know, mess when he tried to get him to help with, um, you know, pulling, pressing the red button and so on. So, uh, yeah, it, it, there, there is actual, you see, character development, you see, <laughs> based on things we've seen in the past. See, that's what they're doing there. That's why we like this episode more than the previous ones. We will be taking listener questions. And someone did write in saying that the pacing of the episode still felt a little bit off for them in that, that we spent 10 minutes on, you know, Mando and Pelimoto, yeah, fixing a, a ship. Um, and, you know, did we need to see him flying commercial the entire way? But I also think that sets up the the lovely little kind of Superman homage, mm. which is, you know, the kid looking out the window and seeing this guy pull up alongside and... Mm. There's a T2 homage earlier on in the in the episode also. Um, good work by Bryce Dallas Howard, yeah, I thought. Yeah, very good. Directing essentially her third episode of, of Mando. I will say, I don't think a Naboo fighter is in any way a practical choice for a bounty hunter. Like, no. Where the fuck yes. is he putting his bounty? Exactly. Unless he's beheading everybody, there ain't room in no, that No, and thing. he's gone from having that a ship. ship that was a home to a ship that is just, you can't even sleep in that car, like it's tiny. Yeah, it's like trading in a camper van for a Porsche. <laughs> like he's gone from something that he can live and exist in and traverse in and have all this mm. shit, which obviously is now exploded. He has no shit and he has no best car spirit. But when he does get some shit, where, where's he going to put it in that thing? But Dank Farrick is fast. Dank Farrick is fast, but basically he's having a midlife crisis. He <laughs> yeah. has, he's, he's lost himself a little bit and he's gone for the shiny, you know, small dick enhancer that is this massively fast ship and he'll get over that in time because Grogu could not have survived in that ship you know where could he have slept where could he have stayed well, there is the little droid um bubble the at Grogu the back dome. and she's taken out yeah and she's taken out the astromech droid so no there kind of is a little <laughs> Grogu spot oh no if, oh, if, yeah. if Mando season 3 is him flying around the galaxy in this in this fighter with Grogu in the Astromech Dome, I will lose my shit. <laughs> it's going to be like the Star Wars equivalent of like Wallace and Gromit in the, on, a, on a motorbike and a sidecar, but it's Mando and Baby Yoda. That's everything I've ever needed in my life. Oh my God. Yeah. The wrong Beskar trousers. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> Did anyone have a moment before she took the cover off the ship where you thought it was a pod? Yes. Okay, good. Not just me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, because they do the pod racer sort yeah. of homage in there where they have him flying through there. And of course, he sees a womp rat Beggar's in Beggar's Canyon, Canyon which is lovely. Yippee! <laughs> <laughs> I also like that they did a, the, that classic Top Gun shot where it's like the camera down between his legs, like looking up mm. at the, uh, looking up at his helmet, as oh, it were, Helen's with the fiction. canopy above. <laughs> yes. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch. There's also a really cool shot when he's taking the. Uh, new uh, starfighter on, out on a test run and he comes upon two rangers of the new republic and the camera sort of spins round as the ship writes itself uh before the conversation mm. begins i thought that was really cool i like that the traffic stop yeah. is great it's like license and registration please <laughs> he's like i wonder if that button that pelimoto told us about earlier on is going to come in handy in this bit <laughs> Oh, you mean Chekhov's turbo boost? Yes, I suspect it might be. Yeah, Chekhov was a big fan of a turbo boost. Yeah. Appa uh, from uh, Kim's Convenience was back as one of those rangers. Yes. Uh, if, if you watch Kim's Convenience, Simulu's dad from that show um, was one of awesome. those rangers. 
Uh, he was in a couple of episodes of Mando as well. He was same, yeah, was same it? character. He's back. He was the last. Well, he was the one we last saw chatting to Cara Dune. Uh, yeah, so who died on the way to a home planet, famously <laughs> <laughs> died on the way home. <laughs> yeah, oh, she uh, hooked up with a brand new Star Wars character, cancelled. Um, who is going to be a lot of fun. Look out for that guy. <laughs> Um, speaking of things that were quite nice, obviously we saw another gonk droid. Mm. Always nice to see a gonk droid. But more specifically, we saw a cryogenic density combustion booster. And I think we've all been waiting to see the cryogenic density combustion booster because when we saw them brace it in the trash compactor in Star Wars, we thought, hey, look, it's a cryogenic density combustion booster. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought when I was a kid. <laughs> Um, so that was. Can nice. I just say that I was watching this one, <laughs> loving it as ever, and that whole bit with with Pelimoto and the 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 Starfighter, and uh, they're on Tatooine, and there's Womp Rats, and there's Biddy One from the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order game, and it's like, oh, they're they're mixing yes. original trilogy and prequels and video game stuff, but there was a part of me inside still screaming. Dave Filoni and John Favreau mention anything from the sequels challenge. Uh, and then they did. They did in a single piece of dialogue that made me very happy uh, when Pelimoto described the ship as being faster than a fathia, which are the big horse creatures on Canto uh, uh, Bites in The Last Jedi. Ah, yes. The unforgettable horse creatures from uh, <laughs> Halo. I'm not going to yeah. rag on The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is great. However, that Canto Bite sequence is arguably no, it extraneous. Is, it is. It, it gets to the heart of the film. Gets to the heart of the film. It does. Does it? Does. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> it just made me happy. Stop, I feel like please. they do ignore a lot of the the sequel trilogy stuff. Even just even just creatures and planets and things don't really get mentioned in that way. I'm aware that yeah. some of the technology wouldn't exist at this point in the, in the time period, maybe. Uh, but it does make More me characters. happy when they kind of allude to some of those things. Mm. There was a lot of fan service in this episode, apart from the fact that it's all about Mando. You know, the fact that we start with. Uh, a scene where he draws the dark saber. I think immediately people are like Amon, we're losing their minds. I oh had forgotten God. he had it, to be honest. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, where did he get that from? And then I remembered. And then remembered, yeah. I'd forgotten he'd lost his ship. Yes. Oh, I remembered that. I was, oh shit, yeah, they blew yeah. it up. And then, and then, you know, and bringing back the armorer and bringing back that this is the way and bringing in the, I can bring you in colder, I can bring you in warm, you know, all of this, it felt massively, massively fan servicey in a way that, you know, God knows has been missing for the, from the rest of this series. One of these days I will film my live reaction to these things because when I tell you that I was squealing, it was, it was so good. <laughs> that first scene was great. From like, the, from even his entrance, Sort of, uh, you can tell us it's it's sort of right before he sort of fully enters the scene. I thought even that was really really great. I love that. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it bang on eight o'clock this morning. There was uh, there was definitely a, a heavy limbed quality to my to me this morning. <laughs> a kind of oh, all right, let's get this over with uh, about it. And then I watched it, and from the moment he he, he appears, it was like oh, just this is what it should feel <laughs> yep. like. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I was I was kind of checking the uh, the time every few minutes. It was going, all right, we're 10 minutes in and this is Mando only. This is interesting. 20 minutes in, it's Mando only. <laughs> 30 minutes in and you're going, I don't think we're going to see Boba Fett in this episode. And with every minute that passed... Our dreams, our prayers were answered. Uh, quite, quite wonderful. But with that opening as well, even before 
um mando showed up i was enjoying it because i was like oh we're in like a star wars butchers which is presumably where they get the meat mm. for the star wars droid chefs that we saw last week so my my kind of kitchen <laughs> spin-off of, of how food and the culinary industry works in this universe um that felt like it got fleshed out as well before we even got mando showing up yeah yeah what, what would you call that show ben um let's have a look uh jedi master chef oh that's solid would watch <laughs> but again like you know going to this like as chris sort of pointed out like when we were talking about you know at the end of the last episode obviously i wasn't on last week's spoiler special because i had to go back to a sarlacc pit to leave something that i left behind even though i knew it wasn't actually in the sarlacc pit but that's a whole oh, other thing that. Don't worry. um Indeed. Uh, but like, it's going to this, it's like, they mentioned Mandalorian. When they made this show, they couldn't possibly have known that people watching it would be largely speaking begging for death with every episode. Like, they can't They can't have known that would be the case. So they weren't thinking, oh my God, we've got to save this dying show with a good episode. They thought, yeah, this is a great show. Let's make it even better. But dropping this in, it's that really awkward thing where you just remind everyone how shit Boba Fett is by showing them something that's demonstrably better. like So it is just the, almost the worst thing that could happen for this as an IP, like the Book of Boba Fett, because you're just like, oh, yeah, look, this is the good stuff. This Remember when we watched this and we were entertained and having fun? That that was nice. Like, like, like something that feels like Star Wars, something that feels mm. fun and fresh and Indeed. funky like Star Wars, whereas the previous four episodes, I think, have been designed to make us feel like we're in the Sarlacc, slowly digesting <laughs> for a thousand years. I think what it has done um, with those four episodes on Tatooine is really put us in the shoe of the young Luke Skywalker, desperate just to get anywhere else in the galaxy. <laughs> if there's a bright centre to the universe, this show is the one that his father is from. I think what is interesting with what they've done with this episode is just, this is the first example we've really had as they expand the so-called Mandoverse, as Filoni called it when I um, interviewed him, uh, of how they're going to handle that. Because as much as we're used to interconnected storytelling with with the MCU and like, hey, this character from this thing might pop up here, or you might get a mention of this, which refers to something from this other film that you may have seen. Um, but this, you would, I kind of expected the Book of Boba Fett maybe to have a bit of crossover stuff, but to be its own self-contained story and to have an episode that is, as we have said, basically fully a Mandalorian episode. It is the Mandalorian season 2.5 is an interesting way to go. It kind of says, hey, if you want to know what's happening with all this stuff going forward, even if you only really care about Mando, you're kind of going to have to watch all of this stuff because you may get an episode that is just about some other character or just relating to something else. If somebody hadn't seen Mando, I kind of can't imagine somebody watching this show having not seen Mando. But if you were just watching the book of Boba Fett and this episode came up, you'd be like, what the fuck, <laughs> what the fuck is this? This is literally a different show. I, I don't know what you guys have seen. This made me laugh a lot. This this came up on the internet just before we started recording, so you may not have seen it. But the uh, Star Wars account has has done a a tweet, a video, uh, a video preview of this week's episode, and obviously they haven't been able to show Mando in the episode <laughs> at all. So it is it's a fourteen second long video. It is a ship flying through space, then a ship coming into land, then the gangplank of the ship coming down, and then some people we've never seen before in our lives and we'll never see again because they're extras walking into shot. And that is the preview of it. They can't show Mando. <laughs> I've just watched it as you narrated it. That's exactly right. And it's making me laugh. Oh my gosh. It That's is so funny. <laughs> 
Yeah. But then probably be by the time you're listening to this, the cat will be out in the bag and it'll be a Mando character poster or, or something like that. But for this episode to be so Mando specific mm. and so Mando centric, I thought was a really, really bold decision. And we have, we have a question uh, pertaining to that. We'll get to those in a second. Can I just say, what a blast it is to be talking about Mando again. I'm oh, having so much fun. It's so good. Uh, next week, that fucking, that fucking killjoy. <laughs> he'll be here to, he'll be here to, you know, harsh our buzzes. Won't he? Oh, there he is. Look at him. Shit Mando. Shit Mando. <laughs> Shall we talk about some of the kind of mythology that the armor laid out in, yes. in this episode? Because there was quite a lot of development of both backstory and sort of come, forthcoming, presumably, story. So first of all, it kind of looks like Mando's going to have to Go on a visit to the waters under the mines of Mandalore to redeem himself? Sure. He should cool. have just said to her, you're making that up. You're yeah, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> Waters under the mines? Sure, whatever. Um, second of all, the, the, a little bit more. We've kind of had some of that before, but about the history of the Darksaber. Um, so not just that it has to be won in combat, but that it actively, if it isn't, everybody's fucked. That was kind of interesting as well. So we, we might see somebody, you know, Sneak it away from Mando. It might already have happened in the hold of the ship, for all we know, and uh, and that could lead to some disaster before he manages to combat his way back to it. Helen, I like that you use the phrase uh, the backstory or the the exposition that was laid out as if it wasn't just thunked down in one <laughs> massive, extremely True. dense exposition dump. That was one of my when, when we were talking about the pacing of this episode. That was something that rubbed up against me a bit. When it's like, oh, there's the armor, there's the blacksmith, uh, Mando lady. Uh, oh, and now she is, she is splaining. She is James splaining to her heart's content, uh, for 10 solid minutes. <laughs> she who explains, uh, which it, it was quite a lot to take in. I felt, felt like there was yeah. maybe a slightly more elegant way. I felt a little bit like I was reading a Wikipedia dump at that point. Um, in a way that often <laughs> I think, feel like Mando actually, the, well, the show, The Mandalorian does a good job of kind of a mix of show and tell. Uh, uh, whereas this was very tell, 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 tell. I don't know how much of that at all is going to be what we're going to be seeing in, in Mando season three, but I don't really remember any of it because it just all came flying at you very <laughs> thick and fast. <laughs> but so did the bombing of Mandalore. So that was, that was a cool scene. In terms of telling, at least they had that, wonder, that one bit that was, that was showing. Um, Night of a Thousand Tears. I feel like there would have been more tears than a thousand, but okay. <laughs> I guess they're really tough. There were more bombs than that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that was that was a, a cool and a kind of horrifying image, obviously drawing from like World War Two and stuff like that. I thought with the you know bombers yeah. just filling the sky. I think Terminator Two is the vibe I got from that scene. Yeah, that that oh, yeah. shot. Also, yeah. That, yeah. I, that shot of um, all the the K two uh, droids and the Imperial probe droids mm. and all the fire behind mm. them, the silhouettes was yeah, that was a really really stark image. Again, it was just something that has been a, a total kind of opposite end of the spectrum of the visual palette of the rest of the show so far. Even when like the uh, sand people got destroyed and blown up, it was still in that very kind of dusty, sandy, Tatooine sort of visual palette that this entire show has dealt in and, and having that moment just really really stood out uh, in this one I still don't quite understand why Mando doesn't possess a first aid kit like he'd limped around for <laughs> fucking ages and also as Helen pointed out made a proper meal out of it as well and I just thought we've all seen Predator when you have a thigh injury you use that little snappy little thing and you, then you scream and it's like that's how it's fixed instantly. Uh, <laughs> instantly I think he had a first yeah. aid kit probably on the Razor Crest yeah. uh, and then it went it was blown up to smithereens uh, interestingly enough uh, the same way that uh, Boba last week called his ship the Gunspr 
it gun spray? Fire, fire spray? spray? Fire spray. Fire spray. Fire spray gunship. That's what it was. Uh, this week, Razor Crest seems to be a type of ship rather than just the name of that specific ship. So he was, I want another another Razor Crest. And I agree with you, Mando. It is much more practical. But I also think that the wound to his leg, that might be because of what made it rather than necessarily where it was. I think that indicates that if you get hit by the Darksaber, you don't walk away from that very easily. Well, in fairness, burns are like a horrifically painful form of injury. Like a burn will hit, will hurt more than a stab because you've got more dark saber burn, especially. Well, yeah, because you've got but you've got more nerve endings, don't you, in your skin than you do like further in. So, burns are apparently like one of the worst injuries you can get for, in terms of pain. I still think he made a meal of it, but okay, I will <laughs> allow him that at least. This is not the way. Chris, on the swapping of the uh, of the Razor Crest for this new, uh, is it Starfighter? Starfighter, uh, yeah. The the first thing that crossed my mind was, I cannot wait to buy a Lego Starfighter with a little Mando in the cockpit. Uh, and presumably and it'll be Grogu. much cheaper than the Lego Razor Crest, which is like a hundred and something quid because it's big and bulky. But if they keep it in proportion to the minifigures, it should be, I'd say like a <laughs> like a forty five pound uh, ish set. Maybe it'll go next to the yeah. uh, well fire spray gunship as we're now calling it that is on my shelf. <laughs> ben, I can't believe the first thing you see, the first thing you think of when you see a new thing in Star Wars is, I can't wait for the Lego. How dare you? <laughs> it's people like you who are leading to the commercialization, over commercialization, I would say, of Star Wars, <laughs> which from the off has been pure. I am the one who has led to the over commercialization <laughs> of Star Wars. I take that. Not anybody else who created Star Wars. <laughs> no one else. But at Lego, if you're listening, £45 is a great price range. Thank you very much indeed. There you go, yeah. Also, the childification of Star Wars, because we want Star Wars to be super violent, Ben. Super fun, right? like the Punisher. <laughs> yeah. And again, I have, to th- I have to say, I thought of that guy during that opening sequence where he was chopping people in half and skewering them and <laughs> cutting their heads off left, right and centre. And I was like, oh no, what's happened? But with that in mind, don't you think it's interesting how what this episode shows as well is how adaptable a character Mando is? Because you can have that kind of extra level of brutality that we don't even really see him do in that show, but it doesn't feel too out of place. And yet at the same time, the silly, fun comedy stuff with having to take all his weapons off to get on the plane uh, and then all the stuff with Pelimoto, he feels also at home in that world, especially because it contrasts against how kind of stoic he is. And I think it just yeah. showed how well that character adapts to different situations and can play off various tones, whether he's bringing that tone or whether it's clashing against that character. Whereas Boba Fett, the, the humor stuff hasn't really landed when it's kind of happening around that character. So I, I think, again, it shows just what a good character Din Djarin is and, and how mm-hmm. um, he can be used in all these different ways that it can have the dark stuff and the fun stuff happening all in the same episode. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's like the, the thing is that Boba Fett is utterly humorless as a character. And in addition to that, he's completely ineffectual. Like he set himself up as a crime lord. He has done no feat that is even remotely impressive at any point during this show. And yet Din Djarin comes in, chops this motherfucker in half, and then cuts his head off as well. It's just like, if you're going to be a crime lord, that's the kind of shit you need to be doing. But he wants to rule with respect, James. You, rule with decapitation, work a lot better. <laughs> There's a really great point that uh, Joanna Robinson made on, uh, I think, the Ringoverse podcast when she was talking about uh, Boba and how he's a Stoic, but he's a Stoic who's paired with another Stoic in Fennec, and how does that, that doesn't quite work when you pair those types mm-hmm. of characters together. One of the good things about 
uh, the scene where uh, Mando is putting his ship together with Pelimoto is that she is a very fun, flamboyant character who plays off Mando's stoicness very, very well. And yeah, I feel like that's what Boba needs. I, 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 I don't think he's entirely without humor. He just needs a different type of person to bounce off of to really bring that out of himself. Yeah. Can I talk about orbitals now for a minute? Yes, of it's course. exciting. <laughs> so, um, okay. So ring worlds and orbitals are a big, big concept in science fiction. So ring world is the Larry Niven concept and it's literally like a ring around the sun. So imagine Earth's orbital path, but that's all like a wall and the world is on the inside of the wall. So the ring is spinning, so it has gravity, but it's just unfathomably huge because it's like 11 million miles in diameter, right? Um, so that's a ring world. This is an orbital, which is a smaller version of the same thing. So it basically, uh, it's like a space station could be, or it could be like a space station, or it could be almost as big as a ring world. But basically the idea is that, again, you have a ring, it's spinning in space, so it has its own gravity, and people just live on the inside surface and docks can, uh, sorry, ships can dock on the outside surface and uh, it all works brilliantly. You can make it out of asteroids in theory. Um probably ones made of unobtainium, but we haven't figured it out yet. But it's like <laughs> theoretically a concept that works. Not to be confused with a Dyson sphere. Can I just point out that even James yawned during that explanation? <laughs> <laughs> That's because he doesn't know, man. All he knows is Halo. You know, he doesn't read. Have you read a lot of Ian M. Banks? Uh, I, d- I must admit, I, I yeah, see. He's not cultured. He's not cultured. I'm not cultured. He's not, uncult- good, he's not cultured. Uh, no, consider Phlebas. I can't consider. Uh, Consider Phlebus is not the easiest one to I know, start it's with. It's the first one, which is unfortunate. And yeah, me being slightly particular, not, no, I have to start at the beginning. You absolutely don't. They're not links at all. Just ignore that. Just start a with use of weapons knife or, or something at one games. point, and then you know. Is there a yeah. Reacher in it? <laughs> Consider uh, Reacher. That's what in I'm saying. several books, there kind of are actually. So you should totally read the Space culture Reacher. novels by Ian M. Banks. I'm but fully yes, on board. So a Dyson sphere or a sphere is basically so what I described with the ring world, where it's a giant ring around the sun, except it's a, a bunch sphere. of rings, if it's a, or it's literally a sphere with, with a sun in the middle. middle. So you're actually being very, very efficient because you're using all the star's energy and not a tiny fraction of it like we get on Earth. Dyson spheres suck. <laughs> different, different Dyson, but all right. Anyway, it's super cool to see one in Star Wars, though, because it's the kind of thing that, you know is a cool science fiction concept. It's not necessarily super fancy high tech in a way that doesn't feel right for Star Wars. It's a very, very old Star Wars co- uh, sci-fi concept, um, but it's one we haven't seen before. So this shows the world actually expanding instead of the same three characters meeting over and over again on the same four planets. You know, it's okay. I'm excited by it, genuinely. Isn't it, not not to send uh, Chris's innuendoometer uh, flaring up, but isn't it nice to see a bit of the oh, it's rising. inner rim for a change? I feel like so much of Star Wars happens on the outer rim and it's like we never actually go really it's been a long time since we've been to Coruscant or anywhere that's that's more central in the galaxy it feels like we're Civilized. always kind of hovering there on the edges there has been a lack of rimming yeah there we are <laughs> yep where is the ring like the, the halo is it in the like do we know what where it was what was it called <laughs> No, I don't. I did well. I didn't see, uh, and I was watching with the subtitles on one time. I watched it. I didn't see a name. I didn't see a location or anything like that. I was. It just like exists. And in fairness, like again, in theory, they're not a big deal. They could be made fairly cheaply with robots and asteroids. Um, 
but yeah. we don't we don't really know. I mean, if you're talking a ring world or a sphere, often the explanation is a big civilization did it mm. and then ran away. Um, but but with with an orbital, it's it's theoretically reasonably possible with with kind of Star Wars levels of tech. If you have lost will to live during this week's episode <laughs> of the Book of Boba Fett spoiler special, it's then do fun, write in. Dude. Uh, well, we also should point out that the person that uh, Mando does the job for, the sort of his employer there, speaks an alien tongue. I don't know what race she is, but you know, so it's it's a different rim tongue than, <laughs> oh, than galactic standard. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I I don't know whether to applaud the shoehorning of that pun, but let me just say, oh, I do. Uh, when I was watching this with the subtitles on, that the, the big bird lady is speaking Huttese. So she's still speaking mm. Huttese. Maybe that's just an official crime language? I don't know. Um, <laughs> speaking crime the language of crime. Hang on, I'm stealing something. I'm a Swiss of Huttese. There is, I mean, look, there is a whole sector that is under... You know, hut control. There is hut space. It would make sense that it's the kind of lingua franca for the gallery for the galaxy. Oh my god! I'm so sorry. Oh Look, my god! You can't no, no, expect to put me no. here on a sci-fi <laughs> podcast and not get me talking about this. No, stuff. Don't, don't, it's not that. It's the idea of a language of crime. Uh, <laughs> make that make that happen, please. Yeah. Make that happen. Crime uh, is the okay, same so in all languages. It's the one. It true is, language. isn't it? You get stabbed in Coruscant. You get stabbed in Tatooine. It's the same language you're speaking, which is ouch. Yeah, you don't want to get stabbed in the tattoo and you're limp for a month. Although we do see Mando take a few blows to the helmet and walk away from it. We do, yes. Yeah. So, I just wanted to point out real quick before we get into the listener questions, a uh, couple of things. I said Bryce Dallas Howard did a really good job of directing. Uh, there's that lovely shot, uh, which obviously isn't a oneer, but looks like a oneer, where Amanda was walking into the, the lift, goes up the lift, comes out, has the powwow with the... The, the, the person who has all the information about where his, his covert is, then goes back at the lift and goes down. It's just a really nice way of visualizing that, plus the way that Mando's introduced with the Darksaber through the, through the, the sort of slatted door. Lovely stuff. Do you not think it would have been more efficient for him to just like wander around a bit and look out for signs? Than going through this whole thing of you must tell me this information that I need when it was like not the most these places are pretty big. He has, he has to be given a starting point, so you know, you know, otherwise he could walk around for for months, years. Yeah. Even. Doesn't she basically just say, "Yeah, all right, mate, it's around the corner down the stairs." That's basically yes. the extent of her direction. <laughs> it's just it's around the corner, mate. It's over there. It's like I just yes. I, it felt I wanted more from that whole. You must give me the information. I don't mind about the money. Just give me the information, and then it's like, oh, it's over there. I'd also like to point out, I think Mando is, it, it could do with being a slightly more shrewd business person because, like, he's accepting bounties again. So he clearly needs money, and yet he's then leaving money behind, having killed its owners. He's like, I am not entitled to this money. I shall give it to the workers. And while I obviously salute his socialist ideals, uh, I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit like, dude, seriously, if you're going to do shit like cut people's heads off for money, fucking nick the cash. What are you doing? Yeah, I, to, to, to me, that revealed like some forward thinking and forward planning there because he is wounded, um, and it's not that there's a whole bunch of them there. I'm not sure he could have taken them in his condition. So, and you must have known that they oh, were lining up to have. try and oh, take him yeah. down. So he, he still they has the chefs. little, I mean, he still has the little whistling birds or whatever. Yeah, you guys just advocating for more murder, honestly. Yes. No, I'm not advocating for it. No, but I actually, I think, I think him leaving that money on the table is absolutely in character. He says it's money he's yeah. not entitled to. Mm. That's 100% his sense of honour. But he does turn down two bounties in this show, 
while also being desperate for a new place to live. And that, James is right, that was a little less good business sense. How can you turn down a bounty? He's been taking business lessons from Boba, who, as we mentioned the other week, let the Wookiee go and then immediately was like, oh no, I should have kept him around. Hey, do you want to come and work for me? Um, So maybe he's just working on a very haphazard ad hoc basis. Why does the armorer take so damn long just to ask him if he took his helmet off? Surely that was one of the first things he should have led with. And then we would have, you know, just been spared all that battle with Paz Vega. I know that's not the character's name. Uh, with, With Paz Fizzler. Uh, which is a cool battle, you know, I liked it and and, and whatnot, but, mm. uh, you know, just, hey, Mando, hey, Armour, how's it going? Great. Have you taken your helmet off? Um, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all the stuff with Paz Vizsla, uh, I vaguely remembered him. He was episode three mm-hmm. of Mando series one, right, where yeah. they yes. all had to help him uh, when all the shit kicked off because he nicked Baby Yoda. But I feel like, again... That is another character where it's like, we have a lot of Mandalorian-looking people, and Din Djarin is easily one of the most charismatic of those, because Paz Vizsla, as much as he's kind of big and sort of brutish, I was like, I, I vaguely remember you from that series, but I don't really remember you that well or like what you're about. So I think there was maybe intention there for, for people to go, oh, it's that guy, where I was like, is it that guy? Yeah. Uh, what's his deal? I, I, it's very much there for, uh, for more for the Vizsla connections to the Darksaber. Um, and I think on that level it worked. Uh, but yeah, that would have been nice to know more about him, I guess, before this episode. Okay, should we take some listener questions? Let's. I'll be completely honest with you. A lot of listener questions are along the lines of, <laughs> wasn't that good because Boba Fett wasn't in it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just surprised that he, he didn't even come at the end to be the one to recruit Mando himself. I mean, if, Why if, ruin if, a perfectly good episode? If you're only going to have you know, like one character from the actual book of Boba Fett turn up, surely it should be Boba Fett rather than Fennec. Yeah, but nobody wants to see that. <laughs> uh, at Tim from Wales says, I'd like to know if Ben's heart did a little backflip at the prospect of seeing Baby Yoda again. It nearly exploded because uh, uh, all through this episode, I was there going, as I predicted last week, aching at the thought of of Din Djarin, of Mando without Grogu without Baby Yoda and seeing how lonely he was and and as we mentioned before the little the little parcel with the Beskar in it that looks like Baby Yoda's face um and I genuinely have had concerns about like what is Mando season three going to be what is that show without Baby Yoda because that has been such a huge part of the series success not just from a commercial standpoint but because that is that was the heart of the show right from the end of that first episode it's like hey let's take this badass dude and team him up with a little tiny adorable (laughs) little baby and send them off into the universe together and when you don't have that and and the, the Luke Skywalker thing at the end of Mando felt like there was could have been an element of finality to that obviously we expect there to be a continuation of that storyline in some form but that ultimately disrupts that partnership as we've known it so as well as just generally being a bit sad that we might not see as much of Baby Yoda I have been thinking for the last year what is the Mandalorian without Grogu how does that show work how does that character work Mm. and I enjoyed having an hour of time with Mando this week in the book of Boba Fett but um, I hadn't really I still don't feel much clearer on what that's going to be but the prospect him saying he's going to go and find him and going to go and get him and that we're probably going to see him by the end of the series 
makes me so happy makes me I, I texted you guys as soon as i finished the episode saying i just want to scream this is this is everything i need i feel like given the dark sabers ties to mandalore uh and everything they say about that in this episode that is clearly the way forward for amando season three especially given that yep. he's still wearing the helmet he still wants to adhere to his creed mm. he wants to you know atone uh, <laughs> that line, you know, leave apostate. Uh, I like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like that is that is the way uh, for Mando season three. I also thought it was interesting that in that big exposition dump, I think something the armorer said that there was, I don't know, someone way back, who the guy who's someone who made the Darksaber, who was like a Jedi and a Mandalorian at the same time. And the fact that you have that, and then you also had uh, the tiny Beskar armor for Grogu, is like, oh, is that the way forward? That maybe that character, as the foundling, um, is going to be this new sort of person who comes through, who is a Jedi of a sort and is a Mandalorian of a sort and will take the Darksaber and be the person to, to wield that. That's the other direction I wonder if this is going. in combat. I, I, I don't I don't see Baby Yoda becoming leader of Mandalore. I'm going to be honest with you, Ben. <laughs> uh, he could do it, though. Let's not argue with that. He I, could I, do it. I don't disagree, but I don't think his character would necessarily be one that, that wishes to lead Mandalore. I, I feel like that's right. Um, I also don't think we're going to see him certainly in this show. And I I am I have question marks over Mandalorian season three, but I think it's he's more likely to show up there. But uh, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with Amon about, I think that Mandalore itself is clearly becoming more and more important to the mythology of the Mandalorian as a show. So we've had Starbuck turn up I forget her name. We've uh, Bo-Katan Bo-Katan. Uh, we've had Bo-Katan show up. Um, we've had the Darksaber now show up. Like Every sign points to Mandalore being more and more important. But it's interesting, and I have, my question about that was that I thought by the end of Mandalorian Season 2, he had accepted the fact that he was part of a religious extremist splinter group, which is the yes. Death Watch. You know? And he, like, mainstream Mandalorians aren't like super helmet obsessed and i thought oh he you know by taking his helmet off a couple of times he's kind of eased away but now he seems to have gone back to his you know crazy roots but i think that's like you don't necessarily easily give up on that do you like that's that's not just like his religion it's also his family so i feel like there's a i think that's what you're seeing a lot of in this episode you're seeing he's lonely without baby grogu he kind of tries to find something with the two with the armorer and paz vega um and 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 it's not quite doing it for him. It's not quite enough. And so I feel like there's there is already that sense that that's going to continue. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I expect to see Bo-Katan again in Man of Season 3. And I also expect to see Moff Gideon again. You do not kill Moff mm-hmm. Gideon off screen. Um, and the, the line that they had alluding to, you know, you know, he's going to be executed for his crimes. We shall see. That makes me think that, yeah, we're going to see Moff Gideon again in Mando. Yeah. I've worked it out. I know how this ends. Grogu does become the person who takes control of Mandalore, but it's all a big mix-up because he thought they said macaron, and uh, (laughs) then it's too late to back out. Ben, are you going to say that with a for sure homonymous confidence proclamation, or is this just like a, yeah? I feel your spirit channelling through me as I make this. Uh, I, I wasn't even going to say prediction. I was going to say prophecy, basically, at this point. It's happening. We just have got to be ready for it. But we don't know, obviously, what happened to Mando after he let 
Grogu go into the clutches, the dread clutches of Luke Skywalker, uh, a frankly incompetent teacher who will raise his, his school to the ground. We know this is going to happen. I'd be worried about that, quite frankly. But um, yeah, so he might become he might have become ruthless since then. He might have you know he he may not be hanging around with Cara Dune since she went off with Canceled, and we don't know. So he might be just. Looking for the familiar again, and the familiar is his covert. The familiar is his creed, and so that's why he goes back and seeks these these guys out. So maybe he didn't have any more adventures with uh, with Bo Katan and and Mandalorians who take their helmet off at the drop of a well helmet. Uh, it's all very interesting. I think I have figured out how this show is going to fin- finish, and it's a variation on what I said last week, which is when I said that Boba was going to kill a resurrected Mace Windu and then finish with "Got him dead." This is going to finish with. Grogu's first words, which are, him get dead. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. This assuming Mandalor- the Mandalorian gets his new genes. Although having said that, he's just teamed up with someone who clearly helped him out. Because if you need new genes, then you can always go to Fennec. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Is that, is that, what, is like that Fennec a Fennec department shop? It was a Fennec department shop. Yes, yeah. Fennec it was a Fennec shop. gag. Yeah. Didn't expect to see wow. one of those on there, did you? A no, Fennec didn't gag. Have you even just gone, he's got his own brand of Din Denim? Come on, it was there. <laughs> it's a, it was a good pun, though, James. I, I like you always like to keep a shant handy. <laughs> oh, God. What's going on? At... Davey K 800 asks, are there too many chefs in the kitchen with this show? Is the addition of Robert Rodriguez a showrunner and his style too far from the foundation and vision of The Mandalorian? He's not a showrunner, though, is he? No, Favreau and I'm liking is. all the kitchen stuff that's going on in this show. That's my favourite <laughs> part of it. The kitchen, so kitchen's far. great. In fact, there aren't enough chefs in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, especially after Fennec Shand killed them all. She slashed that <laughs> chef droid's neck last week. No, I think you're thinking of Fennel Shand. Oh, hey, <laughs> but but Rodriguez isn't the showrunner, is he? Ben, he's he's part of the team, but there's because Favreau's written all the episodes, so he he and Filoni are still the showrunners here. Yeah, well, he's been assimilated into the Favreau Filoni hive mind for this one, so it's the three of them together. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting, like talking to those guys about how it works, because the three of them together are the main creative force behind this show. But as you say, Favreau does pretty much most of the writing himself, but then I think they throw things around to the other guys and to the other directors as well. It sounds very, very collaborative. Uh, at the same time, Filoni is the the kind of steward of George Lucas. I, my mind wanted to say Gondor. He is the sort of pupil of George Lucas who knows the law super in depth in depth in a way that maybe Favreau doesn't, but has that instinctual storytelling and that kind of uh, adventure storytelling background. And then Rodriguez here clearly just clicked with Boba Fett as a character. Although, I mean, you know, how can we know? Has not been the best, but it sounds like the, the three of them kind of work in yeah that hive mindy way where they all do a bit of everything together, but they kind of all have their own role to play within that as well. Yeah, it, I I do feel like though something has changed between the Mandalorian and this. So you know, it did also occur to me like it's not a crazy question. It did also occur to me to slightly blame Rodriguez, but then he's also made films that have stories. So it doesn't, you know, it's not kind of that simple. He's not coming in from some incredibly art house background where he just 
you know, noodles around and, you know, it's not like Jim Jarmusch coming in and they all just suddenly sit there. Oh my God. I mean, that honestly, I'd be fascinated, but like, and actually a Jim Jarmusch kind of cigarettes and coffee in the Star Wars universe would be the best thing ever. But that's it. You know, this isn't that. Um, What's happening here is like, it feels like somebody's paying attention to what would be a cool action scene. What can we you know what new new direction can we push Star Wars in? Which is a good thing, even if you don't like the mods, and I'm not sure I do. It's a good thing to try new things with Star Wars and not try and repeat the, everything the same time um, you know, over and over again. But something's missing, and and it's character and it's story, and I don't know why because all of these guys are better than that. Something's missing, and it's just two major, major things. It's just the two main planks of, like, you know, big-budget entertainment. Anyway, this episode was much better, so let me save all of that for next week. Probably. I've got a pitch. Yeah. Oh, Jim Jarmusch presents Death Sticks and Blue Milk. I'm so here for it. I'm so here for it. Can you imagine? Make it happen. <laughs> you want to add some Death Sticks? You don't want to sell me Death Sticks. <laughs> You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. Where is uh, Sleazebagano? Oh, where's his Disney Plus show? <laughs> the book of Sleazebagano. <laughs> <laughs> the pamphlet of Sleazebagano. At least we knew his motivation. I'm just saying. Yeah, I would genuinely watch the shit out of that. Just going to say, if you want to make the pamphlet of Elan Sleazebagano, make it happen. D. Hutchins, 91. Has a TV show ever had an episode where the title character does not make a single appearance? And if so, was that show much better for it like this one? And I replied really confidently, there are many examples, in fact, and then can't think of a single one. So please, please, people, uh, perhaps someone who hosts a television podcast um, yes. about about uh, pilots could, could tell me. I don't think The West Wing is in every episode of The West Wing. Sometimes they travel... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Coronation Street's not in every episode of Coronation Street. You're narrowing it down when you're talking about shows which have a title character. Um, Correct. Because like I, I was thinking, there are a couple of Doctor Who episodes. I'm almost certain that the Doctor isn't in. Like the the one with the he is in the one with the with the Weeping Angels, but only for moments. Like he's barely in it. I'm trying to remember if David Tennant's Doctor turns up at all in Turn Left, the Series 4 episode that basically focuses on Donna, uh, Catherine Tate's character. Because in that series, there was an episode that was basically just the Doctor without Donna. And then there was one that was Donna basically without the Doctor. But I can't remember if the Doctor's not in that at all. Um, Somebody can yell at us on the internet about that. (laughs) But they have failed the Poochie test this week because this was an episode where at no point uh, was Boba Fett on screen, but we were not asking, where's Boba Fett? <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were simply asking, is there any way he can die on the way back to his own planet? <laughs> is there any, any chance of that? Can he be just going back to <laughs> Mandolands and he's talking to Peli Motto? Then Fennec Shan turns up and she goes... Bad news, Mando. I'm afraid Boba went back to Camino for a weekend and drowned. Uh, very, very sad. <laughs> he was a, he was a bit incompetent. Slipped and fell into the sea. <laughs> Whoops. I know Boba hasn't been great so far, um, but I'm still he's playing the long game. <laughs> I'm still holding out hope that the final two episodes will end strong. I'm actually pretty confident that they will. Now that sort of all the groundwork has been laid, finally. And we have a good character. Has it? I feel like... Yeah, we're five episodes in and the plot is fucking nowhere. Like, absolutely fucking nowhere. Well, we know that the pikes are coming. We know that war is on the horizon. We know that uh, Din Djarin is going to come and meet Boba and help him out. It feels like that's like, you know, 
a really good the stage has been set at least partially for, for a good finale. Yeah. I think I think it's going to end strong. I mean, you know, but you were so you and I were were speculating earlier, or you were speculating about you know Fennec kind of yes. turning on <laughs> Kristen Bobby again, and and I, st- I you know I still maintain that the you know the groundwork for any such interaction has not been set. So that kind of thing, you know, there's nothing there to work with, for example. So that's why I would slightly argue with the idea that all the pieces are in place. The thing that I was wildly speculating on was what if Fennec killed the Tuscans and has been keeping it secret from Boba? Uh, I think that would be a really interesting change to the dynamic and yeah, it would really... What dynamic? Why, why would she do that? Well, she's like a purpose? hired gun. Like before she met Boba, she may have been tasked with, you know, killing the Tuscans and then sort of everything happened with Mando. Boba meets her, saves her. They begin that relationship. It could be really, really interesting. I'm not sure they're going to go that way. The, you know, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, is that likely? That would make sense if we'd been given any depth or background in that character whatsoever. As it is, exactly. everything, we, everything we like about Fennec Shand is because Ming-Na Wen is fucking cool. And that is literally it. <laughs> uh, like when she jumps down over those boxes in this episode, it's like, that's cool. Like, you know, that looks like her doing this. Yes, please. But we know nothing about her. So if we turned around, because I was about to say very confidently, Fennec Shand <laughs> would never just wipe out a group of Tuscans, but we know nothing about her. So she could do, I guess, theoretically. But I'm going to say, I'm going to go no to that one. If you would like to see more of Fennec Shand being cool, then she is in a couple episodes of The Bad Batch doing just that in animated form. Jumping off boxes. Is that specifically <laughs> all she does? Jumping off boxes, jumping off boxes, you know, taking on other bounty hunters. There's a really cool bounty hunter who turns up called Cad Bane, and they go at it uh, for an episode, which is really, really great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I can see that I'm losing you. <laughs> Bad Batch is good. I enjoyed it. You should, big, you should watch big it. Big time. It's on my watch list. Uh-huh. Watch sure. list? Chris, you've obviously seen them all. What are you talking about? You've seen it, yeah. Sorry, it's sorry. Rewatch, rewatch it's on my rewatch list. list. Uh-huh. Yeah. Rewatch oh, list, yeah. Silly me. Uh, at JD on Twitter. I may have missed something, but do we know why the armorer suddenly asked Mando and Paz Vega whether they've ever taken off their masks at the end of their so, duel? It's a call and response. Yeah, she does yeah, it. She's she always it does that. Okay. I knew that. At Michael J. Shirley. Don't call him J. <laughs> Shirley. Um didn't work. Anyway, could this episode be a fake out? Mando leaves to visit Grogu, but doesn't make it back to help Boba Fett, who dies in a final display of his incompetence. <laughs> no, Mando's coming to save the day in the final episode. It's going to be awesome. Is it guaranteed? It's a guarantee. There, I said it. <laughs> Here's another thing. Like, it shows how shit Boba Fett is because it's like we can hire muscle. So you're going to hire a guy who looks like you, has similar armor to you, and yet he can get the job done, but you're largely ineffectual. Like, what the fuck is this? What happened to feared bounty hunter Boba Fett? Like, what was he feared for? But this is the thing that I just keep returning to, and I almost can't get over it. In that season two episode of The Mandalorian, Boba is the shit. <laughs> In that episode, go he back and watch that. He is wiping you out. You don't need the definite <laughs> article there. He's just, <laughs> just. <laughs> he is wiping out stormtroopers left, right, and center, and it's awesome to watch. And we've seen little glimpses of that Boba here and there, but not in a prolonged action sequence like we do in that scene. And it really does feel, if you didn't watch that scene in particular, you look at Boba Fett and it's like, Without Fennec, this guy would have been dead three times over already. Um, 
And mm-hmm. that is shocking to me, considering what we saw from him in that Mandalorian episode. Yeah. I mean, again, if if they'd, you know, had a big, you know, discussion at some point about him consciously trying to step back from violence, consciously mm. trying to be the man who, you know, gives himself space to think and space to consider and space to act right, which he kind of hinted at in his conversation with Fennec around the campfire last week, but he didn't say anything about, that's why I'm going to try and hold back from the battles or anything sensible that would set that up. But, you know, the... That could have been a thing. That could have been an idea of, I'm always there in the thick of the fight. I can't see the strategy. I want to stand back and take the longer view. That could have been a thing. It just isn't because this show isn't very good. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm trying to save it for next week. This was a fun episode because it was Mandalorian. Uh. Yep, next week we'll be back in the flashback to tank. We'll be fed conning ourselves silly (sighs) next week. Uh, Two last questions. At Eight Potty is the person who... Uh, asked about the storytelling rhythm of the show being off. Why did we need 10 minutes rebuilding the fighter? My friend, if Mando was involved, I could have watched 20 minutes of re- rebuilding a fighter uh, or just simply booking booking tickets for an airplane, space airplane. Just more Mando all the time is what the is the lesson we should take away from this episode. More mm-hmm. Mando all the time. Yeah, the space mechanics stuff was fun. It was funny. It was light. You know, they changed the look of the car and it became better. As they went, mm. I, I'm calling it a car. But I to look <laughs> a space car. Scene was. Yeah. It was just a really cool flying sequence as well. I enjoyed mm. uh, Mando putting it through its paces. And also, I oh, can't believe I waited this long. Uh, the score by Joseph Shirley in that moment uh, oh, was also here he great. Goes. <laughs> I love Wait, is that the good... Jay Shirley who was getting in touch with us? <laughs> holy, holy shit. I love. Uh, a good variation on the Mando theme, and we got a couple in this episode. It was good. Oh, it just made me feel so... Well, not horny, but it just made me feel so <laughs> proper good. Proper good. <laughs> it just made me feel so <laughs> Does anyone else listen to that Mando theme and just think, proper good? The last question comes from at they call me Mr. Q, who simply says, does this set up Mando season three and his reunited with Grogu, i.e. no more Mando in the Boba show? I think it will be Mando in the Boba show. Hmm. Yeah, he hasn't helped Boba out yet. The whole point of bringing him in is because he's going to eventually help Boba mm-hmm. sort his shit out. And he's not done that. He's just gone to Tatooine, <laughs> got a cool new ship and fucked off. <laughs> Which, respect, yeah, fair absolutely. play to him. Yeah, yeah, he's about to fuck off. Uh, hopefully, maybe he'll come back in his new ship and land on Boba in a sort of <laughs> Wizard of Oz styly. That'd be yeah. quite nice. We, we just get Boba's legs sticking out from underneath <laughs> the uh, Starfighter. <laughs> oh, no. oh, what a shame. What a shame that would be. Uh, anyway, I think that's it. On that note, now that, uh, now that Mando has returned and made us feel super good, super proper good, but not horny, uh, I think that's important <laughs> to emphasize. Uh, with the return of his theme, we're all very, very excited. Uh, next week, Boba Fett is back, folks. Boba Fett is back for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6. Oh no, wouldn't it be terrible if our bookmark had fallen out? We lost our place. Anyway, join us next week for more Fett-related fun. And until then, it's goodbye for my four colleagues of such lethal cunning. My word. <laughs> Riverside names, because we're on Riverside today. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> ben Travis. Update. I would demand to see the baby by the end of this ben, series. There's every chance he's not a baby anymore. He might have gone full teenage Groot. That would still be quite upsetting. 
I will be honest, he needs to still be a baby. He still needs to be our little yeah. baby. He might be he might be rude, he uh, might be truculent, he might have sits all over his face. Oh. You, what you want is like that Ooh. line at the end of Keanu, the movie, not the person, where they say, you know, due to a disorder, he remained a kitten forever. That's basically what you want with baby, gr- yes. baby Gogo, isn't it? Oh my word. Yes, and also leader of Mandalore. <laughs> him on his widow throne. Who's going to depose oh, him? He's so good. Oh, do, do, do. oh, look at him swinging the dark oh. saber. Oh, he was destined look to Look at him force choking everyone who opposes him. Oh, it's so sweet. That one does not get the Amon Warman guarantee. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Amon Warman guarantee, it is a guarantee that Amon Warman is about to say peace because it is goodbye <laughs> from the book of Boba Fett, Judgment Day, Amon Warman. <laughs> peace. There he goes. <laughs> There he goes. It is goodbye from BDSM1. It's truth. Uh, I'll leave you with a fact Dyer. that uh, when Mando's getting his leg fixed, if you pause it just right, you can see his cryogenic density combustion booster. True story. <laughs> there you go. Let the record state that I did not make that noise. So, you know. <laughs> Ah, oh, I watched some really bad porn. Um, <laughs> Clown porn. <laughs> Clown porn. <laughs> well, you know what they say about men with big shoes? Big feet. Oh, boy. Need big socks? Big, yep. Lots of laces. <laughs> big top? It's goodbye from Gonk's Scomp Jack, mm. Helen O'Hara. That's because that's how smooth I am. Yeah. No, yeah. Right. Um, toodaloo. 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 Uh, it is goodbye from me, Jawa for the Revenge. I'm off to Google Jawa nudes and see just how furry those little blighters are. Hot Jawas in your area are looking for <laughs> attention right now. Oh, yes, indeed. Utini. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.